Good morning, and thanks for watching the 2 by 2 podcast. Aaron Dodson with you, Brock Kendall, and we have Greg Cooper and Craig Honeycutt. Got two special guests with us today, and if you see online on the uh, advertisement this morning, we will be discussing 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're excited to do that, and this season we've been discussing favorite chapters of the Bible, and every time we start out by saying, that's kind of hard to do kind of hard to pick your favorite chapter of the Bible because there's so many and everything in God's word is so great. But uh, Greg has selected first Timothy chapter four, and uh, he wants to look closely at the last part of the chapter. And we will in just a moment, but uh, most of our viewers know me and Brock, uh, but we have two special guests who've never been on the show. So these guys are green. <laughs> and I told them, this is just a conversation. This is a Bible conversation between us guys us brothers, us friends, so don't worry about uh, online or the internet or whatever. Don't worry about that. Don't think about that. Think about us talking and, and the Bible. And these we always have good discussion. So yeah, we do. looking forward to uh, covering this together. But give us a brief introduction uh, of yourself, and, you know, the work you do, maybe family, whatever. And so our viewers will know a little bit more about you. Yeah, well, I, I'm the preacher at Strawberry Church of Christ. I've been there 18 years and uh, not not didn't grow up to be a preacher, I don't think. I spent 30 years in education. And I'm retired from education now, so I have more time to spend with the church. But we had a great congregation there where we're growing, got lots of little kids that run around all the time. And it's just a pleasure to be a part of that. And it's a pleasure to be a part of, of today with you, uh, Aaron and I, a co directed a camp back in July. So we're yeah. going to continue to do that. And we uh, maybe come back on later and talk a little bit about camp sometime. Yeah. About oh, that? yeah. You put a plug Brock, in. Brock and I kind of talked about that already. Shameless so. plug. Later That's on. right. You bet. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm Craig Honeycutt, uh, deacon here at Washington Avenue. Uh, by trade, I uh, work in the construction industry, doing shower doors, blinds, and mirrors. Uh, I have a wife, Katie, and a son, Oakley, and a baby on the way. So. Amen. Amen. Keeping that going. Exciting time. Keeping that going. <laughs> Baby on the way. I like that. That's good. Keeping it going. Keep those babies in your prayers. Babies coming. It's going to be an exciting time here in our congregation. Uh, maybe like what February and March or somewhere around in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. April's there's, not due date. April. There's three. February, March, April. Right in there is like three babies due mm -hmm. in our congregation. So it's a it's a really exciting mm -hmm. time for our congregation. Mm -hmm. I'm just excited to have you on the show. Well, and, thank uh, you for having us. Yeah, never here. got to be on here with us before and taking the time out of your schedule to be with us. He never and, says uh, that about me. Wow. See, y'all should feel <laughs> right. privileged. Yeah. Yeah. He never says, we're just thankful to have Brock. Thank this morning. Morning. <laughs> but we're thankful you're here, bro. No, I'm just, just having fun, making well, light of it. I watched the analytics. And I mentioned mine and his name. The numbers kind of trend down. <laughs> trend down so we hear that all the time. But yeah. when we talk about our guests, it tends to go up a little. So. But Greg, I'll, I'll start with you with the chapter. Um, talk about why you selected this chapter. I know it's hard to pick a favorite chapter, but why would you say that it's at least one of your favorite chapters and why you want to talk about it with us. Well, I, I think it's more one that I rely on, maybe not maybe not my favorite, but one that I rely on a lot because, as, as I said, I didn't grow up in the church. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my family didn't go to church, any church, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, about the time I was a senior in high school, I, I decided there was something missing. 
you know, and I thought, you know, something's got to change. I'm just not, I'm just not right. And I knew I wasn't right. So I did, uh, had some friends that I got to be close with and they were members of the church there in Newport. And, uh, I started visiting with them for, for a little bit. And then, uh, one day, and this is kind of a, kind of a sad story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. One day there was a visiting preacher there and he was there talking about his mission work. I cannot tell you anything that he talked about that day. But at the end of the sermon, at the end of the time, when, when they were singing the invitation, I looked at the friend that was standing next to me and I said, it's time. And he looked at me and was like, what? I said, it's time. So I'm not a big guy, but I kind of pushed him out of the way and went front, went down front and was baptized that day. So I spent uh, a lot of that time. And, you know, then several years later, about 14 years later, I got a call from a church and they were like, hey, we want you to come fill in for us. We've lost a preacher. You know, he's moved away. We need you to come fill in. And so 18 years later, I'm still filling in, you know, so that that's just kind of kind of the way it happened, you know, that I've been at Strawberry Lake said 18 years now. But those first first year, especially because, again, I no formal training as a preacher, you know, uh, uh, but you know, had a love for God and a desire to spread his word. So I spent a lot of time in first and second Timothy when I first started preaching, because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, no formal training, but I know that God could teach me. Amen. You know, he could tell me what I needed to do, you know, how I needed to act, how I needed to, what mm-hmm. I needed to talk about. So I spent a lot of time in first and second Timothy, probably go back and look at those years. And I probably preached a lot out mm-hmm. of first and second Timothy, but that that's the reason I really, and I still rely on it a lot today. I still go back, you know, even though I've been doing this a lot, long time now we, we went through a period of time in which we didn't have any elders mm-hmm. and you know i don't know if y'all been through that when you don't have any elders a lot of yeah. the responsibility falls on the preacher mm-hmm. you know and i would go to them a lot to their men's meeting when we would have them and <gasps> i would say i just had ptsd yeah, oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> and I would share with the blue guys, this is my responsibility. This is my job. We That's need right. to find some elders. Y'all got some, That's we've got right. get some qualified guys. Get yeah. you a guy that can clean the toilet. Exactly. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, we, we need this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, we have a great group of elders now, but I still go back to, especially first Timothy a lot. But when I think about, okay, you know, maybe sometimes lost a little zeal, you know, and just have to go back and look and say, yeah. Hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So that's the reason I really wanted to look at that, this chapter in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a perfect uh, way to describe these books as, you know, books that are first and foremost for the evangelist. Now, everybody needs to know it because that mm-hmm. work is important and everybody needs to learn from it. And there's obviously many things within it that are for all Christian, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, it was originally written to, Timothy. The Timothy. Yeah. The man that preached. Uh, Paul's you know? giving him instructions yeah. on, you know, what hey, this is what it looks yeah. like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In um preaching school, they called it the T epistles. Remember? Mm-hmm. First and second mm-hmm. Timothy and Titus. Yeah. yeah. And it's a good uh, way to memorize. Yeah. Them. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, one of our instructors gave us a, a thing one time that had all the admonitions on it. You remember that? Mm. Uh Barry Grider, I think. He didn't remember it. That's one of the classes he was playing basketball, yeah, was, skipping was, or <laughs> sleeping or something. But uh, I took those admonitions. Uh, giving you a hard time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got a live in the show. <laughs> all, all the admonitions from there, and I've done this, uh, put all the admonitions, and Lindsay actually designed me a little. It's a, right now it's a digital document, but I was wanting to print it out and kind of frame it. And I've been wanting to do that ever since I've been here. It's been over five years I've been here. And I've been wanting to have that like on a, like a framed, you know, like a, like a poster and put it behind my desk 
so that every time I walk in or every mm-hmm. time I look at it or somebody sit in front of time, they see like these are the admonitions that God, you know, just to help keep me in line. Yeah. You know, to yeah. keep my accountability. Because it's yeah. so easy to just get overwhelmed with different things that may not be my responsibility because you care. Mm-hmm. And every member's like mm-hmm. that. That can happen to deacons and elders too, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, like yesterday when my sermon, I mentioned, you know, every member doing its share. You can't do every share. You got to do what you can do. But anyhow, well, a lot yeah, of preachers. This is a great chapter. A lot of preachers seem to take the approach that <clears throat> they work for the church and not for the Lord. Yes. And First Timothy four, especially beginning in verse twelve through sixteen, uh, it's clear that preachers work for the Lord oh, first Lord. and foremost. Yeah. And yeah. by doing that, of course, they are also serving the church, but they serve yeah. the Lord. And by serving the Lord, they serve the church. But yeah. that's for any Christian, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all serve the Lord. We don't serve, quote, unquote, the church. church. We serve the Lord. And by serving the Lord, we serve the church. It goes together. But mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we get we get bombarded with, with unnecessary things because we think mm-hmm. we're serving the church, especially like a, a building a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to go, go work at the church this morning. Yeah. What do, what do you mean by what that? Mean, yeah. you know. in, in, in some places, thankfully, we don't have this as a real problem here. Yeah, and it's, but it's a not a problem at Harrisburg. A lot of times it's like manning the building. You know, you got to go man yes. the building. It's yeah. Like, yeah. But, but and, and it can serve as a very convenient place for teachers, mm. preachers to have a study and all that. You know, and I've, I've good, never, but, I've never, and, and nothing yeah. wrong with preachers doing more than what's required here. Yeah, but if you're not doing what's required, yeah. that's the problem. You need to right. back yeah. off on other yeah, I was going to ask you, Craig, if you had yeah. any thoughts like on the importance of this chapter as we begin or anything. Well, just kind of key in on yeah. what Greg said. You know, God is the teacher; He is more than capable of teaching you yeah. uh, how that's to become right. a preacher that's or right. how to fulfill any role in the church. Yeah, um, you know, preaching school obviously can assist in that greatly, yeah. but ultimately, what you studied was Amen. the Bible. The Bible is the yeah. authority. The and, preaching school is not required. But this is required. This is required. That's that's the major difference, you know. And it's encouraging to see somebody that is self-taught and that is, yeah. I put in the work and mm-hmm. I studied. Uh, Amen. And I can preach God's word effectively, and that's that's in, very encouraging. Amen. Yeah. Anything you want to start out with this chapter? I know you want to get to 12, 16. Yeah, um, but I, I kind of like Craig's take as we were talking about it before. You know, I, I kind of want him to share what he said about the first five verses uh, mm-hmm. before we went on air because yeah. I had never really thought about that <laughs> until he said it, and it makes perfect sense yeah. now. So he doesn't mind to share what, what he said there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in the first five verses, uh, particularly in verse starting verse 3, you know, it says, uh, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. You know, it seems like the church at Ephesus here is putting limitations uh, on things that God said are good, things that we yep. can enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying, hey, you know, you need to back off those things. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you no, know, God created them. They're, they're for our right. enjoyment. They're for, they're for good. Mm-hmm. And, and it always comes in there and starts adding stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I'm yep. afraid we still do that today. I still we think do. we try to, you know, hold God back. I think we, instead of letting him take control and just leading yep. us and going mm-hmm. where we need to go, I think we still yep. try to put limitations mm-hmm. on God. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, we, we got somebody that's really sick and we pray for them, you know. Yep. Well, that prayer's probably not going to help. You know, the, the doctor hasn't given them much time. But I've seen lots of folks that with prayer, with the prayers of, of righteous people, you know, have have overcome their illnesses and and just, you know, return to their health. And again, I think mm-hmm. that's and it's so important for us not to limit God. That's right. You mm-hmm. know, because he's he has no limits. That's right. You know, and we uh, you know, we we try to put things on him and keep him from 
from working in our lives and working mm -hmm. in other lives, you know, but yeah. uh, God really can't help with that. You know, we, we, that's just something that, that medicals medicine's going to have to take care of, mm -hmm. right? you know, instead of trying to really say, you know what, God can take care of it and, when, it and God will take care of it. That's right. When we, when we put limitations or restrictions on our brethren, we, we're not helping them because perhaps they have great potential in a particular area. Mm -hmm. And so when we start putting restrictions on them, uh, they're not able to reach their potential and they get discouraged. They get, they get, get very discouraged uh, and even trying to reach a particular level. Yeah. So I've seen that a lot um, in, in the body of Christ. And perhaps you guys have as well. Um, folks can get very discouraged by one brother or sister putting a restriction Mm -hmm. uh, on a particular principle that's just not there. Um, matter of fact, it can become pharisaical even. Mm -hmm. um, What's you know, happened because though you start, is people call it the gospel. Yeah, yeah it's they, not the gospel. When we start adding, people think that's part of yeah. the gospel. And if you don't teach what they say, then you're a liberal. You're teaching error. Straining it a gnat. You know, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, and it's like, yeah. it's like you're, you're keeping them from actually doing what yes. God wants them to do, right? Yeah. So if I have a tradition here, and I elevate that tradition to the same level as God's yep. law or above God's law, mm -hmm. then what I'm doing is I'm actually shutting them out of the kingdom. I'm making them worse than they already are as mm -hmm. sinners outside of Christ. So I don't need to do that. <laughs> that's that's the point. And Jesus mentioned that in Making John 15. it even more difficult to become a Christian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. what happens. And they don't want yeah. to. They're yeah. just zero motivation. Well, it's not to a track Christian. You know? No, it's not. To mm -hmm. make more rules than what God has makes it even more. Yeah. I like how this chapter right. starts, as we call it a chapter. Now, the Spirit expressly says, the idea is he says this clearly. Mm -hmm. He says this in so many words. In a way that you can't misunderstand. That's right. That in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed, paying attention to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, mm -hmm. speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, and then doing these things like, you know, Craig referenced here uh, requiring their own things. And mm -hmm. he says, look, God designed these things to be received with gratitude. These things are set apart by the word of God in prayer. So you have the spirit speaking clearly that there's deceiving spirits. There's doctrines of demons. There, there would come that and th that would come in the future, Paul said. And those kinds of things continue to exist. Oh. You know, deceiving spirits. Um, I think of two different ways. Satan trying to hinder people from getting into the kingdom of God and then trying to, as we would say, take people out of the kingdom. I, you know, I'm using that, you know, accommodatively, get people to come back out and go back into the world uh, by deceiving spirits, teachers, doctrines of demons. They speak lies in hypocrisy. They have their conscience seared with a hot iron. How many times have you ever heard that used in a Devo or in a sermon? Or maybe y'all have. I have that our conscience can become seared with, you know, sin, with lies, with error. You justify it any way you can. Yeah. 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 And uh, if you, and but verse six, if you instruct the brethren, you remind them about these things, you're a good servant. You're a good minister of Jesus Christ. I like that verse because that, that reminds me, my job is to remind people. Is to remind me. <laughs> and that, and that's a, a very important verse there, you know, because sometimes, Sometimes I say that some preachers try to steer away from from sermons like this and preaching like this because they don't want to offend anybody, don't want to be offensive. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing this too long now, and I just get up and say, "Look, I'm going to offend somebody today. So if I do, oh well, y'all get over That's it." Right. You know, <laughs> I, I've got to that point. I've been there long yeah. enough that that I can do that. You yeah. know, 
and they take it pretty well from me. Now, if somebody else were to come in, Aaron came in and preached at our lectureship a little while ago, you know, and if he had said something that night that they didn't like, I would have heard about it, you know, but, but with <laughs> me, you know, they just, they know I'm trying and they know we in general are trying to teach them things like this, you know, make them remember these things, yeah. make them yeah. see these things. Yeah. These are important. You know, these are things that we need to take care of. And we need to know that, you know, there are going to be those that come in that are going to teach error. Yep. Yes. And there will be those that come in that are going and, you know, but but we've got I love I like Aaron. I love the way he says that, you know, if you do these things, if you bring them to remembrance, then you'll be a good minister. Mm -hmm. You'll be a good servant. Yeah. And sometimes I had to remind folks, hey, I'm just reminding y'all. Right. You know, this yeah. is what we're supposed to or do. Or somebody says, I've already heard that sermon. Yeah. Good. That's yeah. what I'm supposed That's to right. do. <laughs> I'm just reinforcing that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And to go back just uh, for a brief moment, you know, we mentioned putting limits on God. Uh, we also don't change anything. You know, God set it up perfectly in the garden. Mm -hmm. uh, go back to creation. It was a man and a woman. You know, just sticking with the text here, we're talking about marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a man and a woman, and that's how it was designed to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't shacking up. It wasn't, uh, you know, the all the different swinging, all the different ways we've yeah uh, changed marriage. Um, yeah. Stick it to how God God designed yeah, it. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah, and I read something the other day, and I don't even remember what I was reading it in, but it was the fact that people are waiting longer to get married now yeah. than they did in the past. Of course, yeah. you know, I'm 43, and I'm not married yet, so I'm waiting a long time. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, 43, I'm 53. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you, you knew that was right. Yeah, yeah. I'm 53. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't correcting you, But, you know, but, but we have, and we've kind of just pushed that back. And I'm not saying that every 16-year-old or 18-year-old or 21-year-old is ready to marry. But, you know, the the process of marriage has changed and I know, yes. don't mean to get off key here. Don't mean to get off topic, but since, since Craig brought it up, you know, it really has, and it does talk about, you know, marrying here and, and forbidding to marry. I, I worked for a long time with young people and going to kind of go off what uh, Brock said a while ago, you know, I worked a long time with, with young people and I would see our young men and women, our young, you know, teenagers get discouraged because of something that was said to them from an older member. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I remember one in specific, specific situation in which the first time he ever led a prayer, he was 15 or 16 years old. First time he ever led a prayer and uh, just ended it, you know, with amen and didn't say in Jesus name. Well, mm -hmm. one of the members kind of chastised him for that, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, come yeah. on, let's yeah. let's don't chastise. Yeah, let's yeah. teach him. Hey, we're, we're praying through Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's OK to teach, you know, mm -hmm. but. Let's don't discourage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's teaching we, a loving man. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. I think we've got to encourage. I think we've got to be an encouragement to, mm -hmm. to our young people, especially. I think we've got to be a young, uh, encouragement to everybody. Mm -hmm. But I really think if we want the church, and, you know, Aaron and I have talked about this before, we've got so many churches that we see around us that are losing members, that are having to shut the doors because they simply don't. And I think a lot of that has to come with there's somebody along the way that wasn't encouraged. And I think if we keep encouraging them and using, again, what God tells us here through inspiration, the way that we should teach and the way that we should preach, I think that will be an encouragement to, to everyone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, in times past, there had been groups of people that have, you know, tried to emphasize uh, like celibacy even over marriage. Certainly that would be included in this, the forbidding to marry. Um, Paul speaks of marriage and celibacy as both gifts you know to each one is given a gift and that kind of thing i don't think it can be argued that one is better than the other or worse than the other each have its has its place 
-hmm. obviously without marriage the nation or the you know the earth can't continue to populate you know the way that god designed to do because uh, but but unfortunately we see a lot of people having children and they're not married which is not acceptable in god's sight it's sinful but anyhow that's one of the things that could be included in here uh, you know, trying to uphold celibacy over marriage by forbidding to marry. There've been, I mean, that this does, um, no doubt, has its roots in the first century. And there were Gnostic groups that taught these kinds of things, and then there were other groups later. You know, we think of like in more modern times, Catholicism that taught some of these kind of ideas. But, but anyhow, um, I didn't know, Greg. Again, this chapter you selected, so you where you wanted to go next. You're welcome to move on into the text wherever you want yeah, to go. We'll, we'll just continue reading in verse 7 and, and kind of go through down about verse 10 or 11 and then kind of talk about that. But yeah. verse 7, but refuse profane and old wives' table, fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, specifically of those that believe, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. And again, I think, you know, Paul's writing here to Timothy. And again, just kind of reminding him of some things. I think these are things that Timothy knew. You know, but, mm -hmm. but Paul's just kind of reminding him, you know, don't worry about those old wives' fables. Don't worry about those old wives' tales. Don't worry about those profane things, you know. Uh, think about godliness mm -hmm. and, you know, preach godliness and, and, and talk about that and look at that. And again, he talks about bodily exercise, you know, but then when he talks about godliness and he says, you know, godliness is, is profit is profit for everything. Right. You know, and I think the more we put into the aspect of being godlike or being Christ-like, you know, I think the better off we're going to be in our lives and the better off those that we speak and teach and preach to are going to be if they see the godliness in us. And I know there are a lot of times that, and preachers sitting around here, we're not perfect. You know, none mm -hmm. of us are perfect mm -hmm. and we make mistakes, but we still have to, you know, think about this godliness and this aspect of what what we need to look like, you mm -hmm. know, when, when mm -hmm. we present God's word, mm -hmm. you know, and, and how we react, how we react mm -hmm. as, as, you know, in a loving manner, as Craig talked about a while ago, just, just not always, you know, being that I got you person. That's right. But being that, Hey, I understand where you're coming from person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, like I said, I have a little different perspective, not growing up in the church and not having again, the formal uh, Christian preacher background. I have a little different perspective on some things, you know, not anything that that's going to cause anybody to go to hell or today, but I just, I just look at things a little differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it had, I grown up in the church, I, I may not preach some of the things that I preach today because I kind of sometimes preach about things. This is what I wished I'd heard, mm -hmm. you know, when I was outside the faith, mm -hmm. when I was outside the faith, you know, this is what yeah. I needed to hear it. And I never heard it when it was my fault because I wasn't there, Sure, you know, but, but I kind of think about that a lot. And, and, you know, again, just talking about trusting in God, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that takes a lot for, for us to get up every Sunday morning and, and preach the, the will of God and the word of God. We have to trust in God. We have mm -hmm. to trust in what we're teaching yeah. and yeah. what we're saying. So think about how much better <coughs> we would be if we acted like God in every aspect of our lives, in the way we think, in the way we talk, in the way we act, in the way we respond, in the way we react. Just think about how much better we would be. Because, mm -hmm. and here's the thing, you study the Old Testament, 
and you key in on the characteristics of God. You know, you see how God relates to man. You see how God's consistent, right? He's unchangeable, etc. Mm-hmm. Think if we as Christians were the same way. And of course, we have seen God in the flesh. You know, Christ came to earth. Now we didn't us for here, we didn't visibly see the Christ, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. So the idea is we have seen God. We we've seen the way for at least three years, how he acted, how he responded, mm-hmm. how he reacted, etc. Think about how much better we would be if we acted the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear people talk in, in situations like if uh, if they're discouraged, um, if they're discouraged about a situation with an individual, uh, they're mad or agitated at something going on in their life, circumstances, whatever it be. And you you hear them say, I just man, I just want to do it. I just want I just and they're constantly rationalizing in their mind how they want to act. Instead of thinking, what would what would God do in this situation? And we know what God would do because we have his inspired word. He gives us his instruction manual. So we look at it and we do that. Think about how much better we would be. And I used the word consistent moments ago because it's very important to be consistent in being mm-hmm. godlike. Um, and, and that's something that I think we, we fail to appreciate. And that is the consistency of God's character. Um, we need to be the same way. Mm-hmm. Be ye perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Two things in that section, verses 6 to 11, that I wanted to just make note of. Mm -hmm. Rejecting profane and old wives' fables. Exercise yourself toward godliness. That Mm -hmm. would be things that, you know, have their they don't have their basis in truth. They don't have their basis in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And the the teacher of God's Word is to reject those things. And you can't do that just privately only. You have to do that publicly and privately. And that we're to exercise ourselves toward godliness. And the people of Paul's day were pretty familiar with with athletics. Yep. You know, yep. the Isthmus games and all the different things. I mean, that was big for them. And he says, look, bodily exercise profits a little. He didn't say it doesn't profit anything. Just profits little. Mm-hmm. And that godliness is profitable for all things. Physical exercise is only profitable ultimately for the physical, really. That's right. I think mm-hmm. it can indirectly help the mental. I think it can, mm-hmm. but like give your mind, you know, the, some endorphins it needs to, and mm-hmm. all those, I think it does affect the mind. I do mm-hmm. believe that. Um, you know, like but, exercise, lowering stress. That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. It does. Yeah. I mean, that's, I can, yeah, there's, we can all relate to that perhaps yeah, at one absolutely. time in our lives when we but went to the gym. But you could have a physical situation that you're trying to do and be uh, relatively active and so forth, and you could have a dreaded disease. You know, but the, as long as you're partaking and exercising godliness, that's what profits all things. All things. Yeah, it profits mm-hmm. everything. You might still be working out, and it seemingly is not profiting you because you're dying with cancer or whatever. I'm just. But I mean, working out. Emphasize that, that overall, that, the godliness is the most important thing to exercise. The idea is, and that's a great point. Another idea is physical exercise can it just cannot take care of all of the issues that arise. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, right. especially exactly. from, and, and I mean, mentally and physically and mm-hmm. spiritually, especially spiritually, yep. it just cannot get you to heaven. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, so if our focus obviously is on materialistic things, yep. um, carnal things, earthly things, and we emphasize these things over the spiritual matter, especially godliness, then we have missed the mark. Move. Right, well, we missed the mark. Well, I think that'll help key in on what you mentioned earlier about consistency. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are 
consistently thinking about God's things, putting God's things first. You have your priorities where God would have you have your priorities. It's going to help you to be more consistent. I'm right. not going to get upset at the slightest little thing that went wrong with my day because yeah, my right. focus is on God and helping yeah. others. Sure. Um, yeah. And like I said, if your priorities, as you mentioned, are right, you'll be more consistent. Mm -hmm. That helps That's us right. to cope with the ups and downs of life. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we won't have the ups and downs. We will. Uh, the second thing I just was going to draw out is uh, there's so many things, but just I know we got to get I said got to because this what we what we really want to talk. These verse eleven, these things command and teach. Mm -hmm. So like these are the things that he was to live by because they were written to him. If you Timothy instruct the brethren, you reject these things, you know, and he describes how he's to practice godliness and and he gives him the reasons why you know we had the promise of life and that now is and the life that's to come all those little good tidbits in there and then he tells tells him to teach those things so it was written to timothy but then he turns around and teaches those things too mm -hmm. that's what i you know wanted yeah. to point out there's a there's an order there for timothy so you need and that's that's reflected in verse 16 as well mm -hmm. and we'll, i know we want to get to that but I don't know if anybody else got any other comments or Craig. I don't know if you had any other comments for me. I think y'all covered that pretty good. Yeah, you wanted to, I know you want to talk about, I mean, 12 through 16. I know that was the bulk of what you want to talk about. So let's spend the remainder of our time and kick us off in that section with whatever you wanted to. We'll talk read about. verse 12. And then, I, and I really think what Brock said about consistency really comes into play in these next couple of verses Absolutely. because, you know, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Yeah. And I think that has to be consistent. You know, we have to show that. We have to show, uh, be that example on a consistent basis, you know, and mm -hmm. not just, you know, not just act differently because I'm here among three brothers in Christ right. and I'm going to act differently today because I'm here with them than I am when I'm driving home. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to turn, I'm going to turn that music on that I don't need to hear or, yeah. or whatever it is, you know. And I just think, again, in order to be an example, we have to be a consistent example. I don't think it's enough for us to be an example once. No. Yeah. You know, I think no. we have to continue uh, to be that example and continue to live, you know, and, and uh, uh, be an example that says, you know, in word, you know, the way we speak, what we say, make our yes be yes and our no be no. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and that kind yeah. of thing. And then in, in conversation and, and in giving and charity and love, you know, I think we have to be consistent in that, you know, and just. Everything that that's godly, as we've been that's talking right. about godliness, it needs to be consistent. Amen. You know, we. I love how Paul. I love how Paul to Timothy he says, "Be an example to the believers or of the believers." I find that interesting because you know, oftentimes, even as a as a gospel preacher, as an evangelist, I may say something like, "You know, I'm I'm just a preacher. I'm just an evangelist. I'm 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 not over anyone else." And that's real. I'm I'm not, but. God, through his eternal mind, he knew what he was saying here. Whether we want to accept it or not, when I decide to take on the role of an evangelist or a preacher or teacher of God's word, people are going to look at me differently. It's simple. There's no way of getting out of it. They look at you as someone who they know studies the Bible. They they look to you for, for particular answers or wisdom on a particular issue, on and on and on and on. Now, it's up to us to make sure they have a proper understanding of who we are, right? We don't elevate ourselves in an unhealthy way, an unscriptural way, an ungodly way, of course. I understand that. But the fact remains that since they are looking, inspecting our character mm -hmm. a little bit more than others, it's very important that we don't hurt the cause of Jesus mm -hmm. by not being yep. the proper example in these areas, 
Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered, worried. You said, let your yes be yes, nay be nay. Absolutely. But I wonder, too, contextually, probably more immediate context has to do with what we say when we preach. Yeah. You know, the doctrine, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> those things that we say, uh, not just behind a wooden pulpit, but when I'm just teaching someone, I, I need to make sure it's sound. Yeah, uh, the words know, like uh, be an example, be thou. Yeah. Yep, I just looked it up. I thought it was. It's present tense. So that's an abiding action. You yeah. Continue, continue to be, to be yeah. an example, not a yeah. one-time thing. And so yeah. you think about, think about how many people have fallen away because of a preacher, perhaps even an elder. But since we're talking about preachers here, and, and Timothy was a preacher, about how many preachers have have negatively impacted somebody? Mm-hmm. You know, think about one mistake. Let's just say one public sin that I commit. All right, God can forgive me. I can be released from that sin. I can go to heaven, be right with God, and spend eternity with Him. But that one public sin can negatively impact people who have been listening to my teaching for for however long. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know. Now again, we have we have to be consistent. We have to make sure that we're teaching people you can survive without me. I'm just another guy among other guys. I, you know, I, we have to, there has to be a, a balance there, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's very important that I, I'm, I take heed to myself. You don't mention mm-hmm. it. Does he mention it here? That, that, yeah, take heed to yourself, verse 16, because it's vital. Mm-hmm. I can't take heed to the doctrine before I take heed to myself. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of preachers have done that, right? They get so, that they're just, you know, what, what's the gift of the Holy Spirit? I got to know the gift of the Holy Spirit. Got to know the gift of the Holy Spirit. Got to, got to, got to know it. Got to know it. It's like, no, what about your character? You know, take heed to your character. You need to be right with God first and foremost. Mm-hmm. If you ain't right with God first and foremost, people will see that, and you ain't going to be able to help anybody. Yeah. How can you help somebody if you can't help yourself? Yep. Now, let's not turn to any books about preachers anymore because I'll stay here all day. <laughs> if, I might, if I might interject for just a moment, Please I do. wanted to say hello to some of our people watching. Yeah. Christy hello. House, good morning. She's Washington Avenue. Connie Barden, a regular watcher, good morning. Mm-hmm. Robert Leedy, hello, brothers. Uh, Renee Baggett, that's Brandon's mother, actually. Renee Baggett, I agree, she says. I commented on there saying hello to all our viewers. I didn't mean to ignore y'all. Uh, we've had up to 13 live viewers. Wow. So I think we're around seven now. And um, sometimes people go back and watch. I wanted to just add to this, and then I wanted to get us back on topic. Uh, I wanted to add that if you're watching and you know someone who doesn't use Facebook, tell them they can watch this on YouTube as well. We're streaming to the Washington Avenue Church of Christ uh, YouTube mm-hmm. page. So if you'll go to YouTube and type in Washington Avenue Church of Christ. And then I would encourage you to type Jonesboro, Arkansas, because if you don't, there's a Washington Avenue Church of Christ in, I think, Indiana and somewhere else. So type in the city and the state as well on the YouTube uh, search bar, and you'll find us there. We want I want people to know about our church uh, YouTube channel. We'd like to build that up more and, and use that as a way to get the Word of God out too. So have keep that in mind. Um, I'll also be trying to upload this. Uh, it'll either be today or tomorrow. It'll be this week for sure. We have a, a way now we save the audio off of this, and I'll be uploading it to my Podbean channel, which is Aaron J. Dodson on Podbean. It's also on Spotify. It's on Google Podcast. It's on Apple Podcast. And that uh, podcast is also a work of the church here at Washington Avenue. 
and just it goes under the, my name because it makes it easier aaron j dodson podcast but to get back to this context for just a moment because like, i took us off i wanted to go to craig put him on the spot and say haha I, I know he'll hit it but i wanted to ask him too from a christian father and also as a deacon in the local church we know verse 12 in the immediate context is speaking to timothy we know that Absolutely. but we know the concepts are true that we all need to be a good example as well. And just not many verses before he gave the qualifications of deacons, you know, yeah. and one of those is blame is to ultimately to be blameless that, that he lives a faithful life before God and is blameless. And uh, I don't know. I just thought maybe if you had some thoughts there, you know, from a deacon's perspective of being a good example, because people are looking at the elders, the deacons and the pre the ministers of the word, you know, preachers of the word, and uh, I don't know, like I said, I just want to give you a minute if you want to have some thoughts there on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I know it crosses your mind often. Yes. I know it did before you became a deacon. Absolutely. And we talked about that. Together. Um, you know, because I was working with the youth, which is the work I've been assigned. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you mentioned earlier, this is not an example that you set one time and you're done. Right. Um, you know, if if your kids or, or your members um, see you behaving in such a way that is contrary to what you're teaching them, um, all influence is absolutely lost. Yeah. Uh, so if yeah. you're not consistently living out what you're teaching, what you're yeah. preaching, um, you have no hope of being effective. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and he tells you, you know, let no one despise your youth. Mm -hmm. um, all of us in this room have publicly taught uh, at a young age. Yeah. And it can be intimidating to go into, you know, especially say an auditorium classroom where you have your older, more experienced mm -hmm. members um that is a wealth of knowledge mm -hmm. uh, and you're obviously very happy to have that knowledge there at hand yeah. uh big me intimidating say i'm going to try to teach you mm -hmm. um you know but don't let anybody despise that you're you're preaching yeah. the truth you're preaching god's word and you know you do it in the you hold yourself in a way that you're an example even to these older members yeah um and it's such an encouragement we have some young guys in our youth now that are willing to participate in worship mm -hmm. and to any extent in which they're willing to participate it's such an encouragement mm -hmm. to everybody yeah man even though you know this guy may do it better. Well, he should do it better. He's had 30 years to practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're he building, you're working further along. Absolutely. Implied mm -hmm. here is implied in this admonition is the fact that the older generation, however you want to categorize that the older generation has a responsibility to the youth, mm -hmm. right? Perhaps we could say the wiser, right? More experienced has a responsibility to a youthful, individual right mm -hmm. i mean let no one so i have responsibility don't let anyone despise me but you ought not to despise me mm -hmm. and Absolutely. oftentimes that's the case the older generation gets sometimes to a point where they do not feel as if they can learn anything but especially from those that are less experienced to teach god's word i don't i don't necessarily need experience i mean the context of scripture never changes the bible's all it i mean the Holy Spirit has given us instructions through these inspired writers, right? That, yeah. that doesn't change. I can teach context, and mm -hmm. I can I can I can make application to the context. I mean, I I don't have to have experience to do that. Experience is good, but just yeah. because you're more experienced than me as a Christian doesn't mean you can't learn from me Absolutely. as a less experienced individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't look at it that way. Look at it as here I am as an individual at a particular level in my walk with Jesus, and I got to get to another level. Yeah. Well, when do I stop growing? When you die. That's when you stop or when Jesis comes back. Same mm -hmm. thing for the younger fella. We're growing together. It's a, we're, we're trying to work together here. And so and I, it's just something we need to consider, right? 
you know, the older generation has, it's not that they just have more wisdom, but they also have, they have more experience in being wrong. Right. We yeah. often say they got more experience, but they also have more experience of being wrong. I get that they can yeah. teach us and, but, but they also need to understand we can teach them. So there's a, there needs to be a balance there. Yeah. And I think sometimes the expectation is, at least I felt this in my life, because like I said, I was 19 before I became a Christian. I think the expectations of the church were different for me as a 19-year-old new mm-hmm. Christian mm-hmm. than they were for a 15-year-old new Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they expect, well, he's almost grown, you know, he's almost 20 years, he ought to be able to lead a prayer next week, yeah. you know, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. It doesn't, absolutely. You know, and, and I think, and I know here specifically, we're talking about age probably, but, you know, sometimes we think about young Christians that are young in the faith, not necessarily young in age, but mm. they're young in the faith and they may need some more help and they may need some more. You know, a lot of times I feel like this is just my feeling. You know, nobody else may feel this way, but I feel like, you know, we baptize somebody into Christ and then we say, okay, our work here is done. Let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. and that that's not being very consistent. No. We, we mm-hmm. need to continue to teach those, you yeah. know, they're still young in the faith. Right. And, and sometimes I just think, you know, we feel like, well, we, we've, fulfilled our responsibility there let's move on it's like we give the young folks the impression too that that should be their motivation you're young you gotta get there and lead a prayer yeah, that's right that's that's there's so much more to being a christian than getting up leading a prayer to public service uh-huh. right I, I, yeah. so we we i felt the same way my first sermon was preached when i was 19 years i say sermon i'm talking about at a public assembly among god's people was when i was about 19 years old and of course there's the pressure okay the mechanics you're i was so worried about the mechanics the formalities etc and i and i you know you get all, you, you don't think about okay what what about the content of what I'm about to say? How do I apply this content to my life before I even get up and talk about it? Mm-hmm. You're worried about all the 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 minor, not the necessarily the insignificant <laughs> yeah. things, yeah. but because I'm wor- I'm thinking about those insignificant things, I'm not focused on the significant things, yeah. and mm-hmm. so that becomes a problem. So we need to teach our young people too, as we teach them. You know, now that you're a Christian, it's not about filling out a sheet of paper just how many public prayers you can lead. There's so much more to that. It's yeah. it's about it's about making other disciples now. You know, go go out and teach others what you did yeah, to become exactly. a Christian. Get excited about that. Help people. Help the needy. Be the first century church. Mm-hmm. You know, to be steadfast in the in the in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and fellowship. You know, saturate yourself in those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other things are just happening. Really, I mean, if you think about it, if I continue steadfastly, and that's what the early Christians did, right? How what ages were they? About three thousand. Well, we don't know. So here, have you have about three thousand souls added to the Lord's body on that day? They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking the bread, prayer, and fellowship. You know, if you do that wholeheartedly, I mean, leading a public prayer will eventually just become. I'm praying to God, guys. I, I love doing this. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, what, what is? Y'all it's not. It's my prayer, and I'm not praying to you. It's not thou yeah. arts, and I got to say every word right with whom, by whom, and on yeah. and on and on. And it's you're praying to the Father who knows you better than you know yourself. Talk to him like you would a friend. Just keep in mind he's your divine friend. That's right. Connie Bard made a good comment. Yep. Speaking of the influence of a preacher, often through no fault of their own, people get what I call preacheritis. That's probably what she. Is she right? Yeah. I hope I didn't misunderstand that. And then if the preacher makes a mistake, which preachers are human too, that person loses their faith, which just emphasizes don't put your faith in people, put your faith in Mm -hmm. Christ. And I, this, and I'll speak coming from an evangelist perspective, Connie, in my opinion, 
in my opinion, most time it is the preacher's fault. It's the preacher's fault that people get preacheritis because of the way they set themselves up over the congregation. They think they always have to be up front. They got to make all the announcements. They yeah. got to lead everything. They got to be the one that everybody goes through. I know of a preacher who just left a work, and the main reason why is because there was another man there who was a preacher, and everything seemingly had to go through that one man. And yeah. And I bet if you ask that man, does everything have to come through you? you? Say no. Oh, no, 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 no. But the way he set himself up and the way he handled him, the way he conducted yeah. himself, it did. You can see it in action, the way people act. And Aaron, you know, that, it's one thing to say think... something, and it's important what we say. Don't misunderstand, but it's very important how we act. People catch on. If you help, if you yeah. try to be a, a a game player or a, a what's the, a playmaker is what I'm looking for. You know, someone to help get others involved to do their share, kind of thing yeah. like the Bible says in Ephesians four. Then you have other people serving, and I think that can help with making new mm. teachers, preachers, elders, and deacons in a congregation as it develops. <laughs> Because, as the old saying goes, a preacher should be working himself out of a job. That's what he should do. So teach, that the next, teach the congregation to yeah. survive without you. So that they the don't next, need you. So because that they the don't next, need you yeah, in particular. Right, right. Unless somebody ignorantly, foolishly says, well, then why do we need you to begin with? Because the knowledge and the teaching, the training, they need to you know, wear. But the point is, they need to. We wouldn't be constantly hiring out different works, and getting some Billy Bob from New England to move to Jonesboro, and he didn't connect, so he has to move. Got to find another preacher. If we'd trained people in the congregation, where that's the pattern of First and Second Timothy. The greatest you thing, know, the greatest what, thing that could happen for me as an evangelist in, in my relationship with the congregation is, it's not that hey, you guys can function without me. You don't need me. It's that they, you guys keep me because you want me. Yeah, I'm. It's it's a relationship yeah. that we have established. Yeah, like. You know, if I'm out to dinner with you, you know, there's not a better compliment. I've been out with dinner with my, my brethren at Harrisburg. And we have a great relationship, you know, and hey, this is my friend Brock, my brother. We attend the Harris. Somebody asked me in the community, you know, uh, yeah, I, I attend the Harrisburg Church of Christ. It's happened before. Mm -hmm. And I they come visit and I preach like, you didn't tell me you preach. I'm like, you know, I, that wasn't necessarily a big deal at the time. You know, yeah. I just I wanted you to come visit us and we wanted to teach yeah. you the Bible. But. You mentioned, and you're so right. Yeah, one of the greatest compliments a preacher can get when he's with his friend is yeah. to be introduced as their friend. Yeah, well, I mean, Craig and, I, Craig and I have known each other forever. Don't tell everybody I'm your preacher. Just, our relationship yeah. goes much further yeah. than me being a preacher, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's right. secondary. I'm a, by the way, he's a preacher. That's yeah. fine, you yeah. know. But well, hey, you mentioned, uh, and this applies to all. We can all think about this. This is not a lesson on preachers because you're a preacher too, in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, we we talk about preachers' fault for this preacher, whole preacher-itis deal, right? And it is, for the most part, I agree with that, and here's why. The preacher is going to be the more mature Christian, definitely in doctrine, mm -hmm. or else he ought not to be teaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's got to know the doctrine before he teaches. And so most balanced. You have, this, you have this younger individual who comes in, obeys the gospel. They're not as knowledgeable. I mean, really, all they know is what they just understood and what they just did to become a Christian. Now it's time to continue steadfastly in the, in the particular areas where they need to do that. Right. It's the reason why it's mostly preacher's fault. And it's not always, sometimes it's both is because the preacher, he knows the type of, of, he knows the type of influence he has. And it's not always malicious, but sometimes the preacher can be manipulative, mm -hmm. patronizing, 
mm-hmm. you know, overstep boundaries because of that position. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the elders look to the preacher to the point where they consider him in an unhealthy way, an unhealthy yeah. him over them. Yeah. And now you just, now the preacher, again, like you said, you wouldn't go to the preacher and say, do you do that? No, I don't do that. But he is doing it by action. So that's why you need to take a look at ourselves. And sometimes let the brethren do it on their own. And even if they get upset at you, that's okay. Well, Brock, you're supposed to. That's when we start teaching. Why am I supposed to? And I mean, why, why am I supposed to, to do that? That's mm-hmm. actually, I'm not supposed to, right? That's that's a shepherd. I'm going to mention you know, verses like 13 that. and 15, then I'm going to hand it back over to you. Mm-hmm. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So his responsibility as a teacher of God's word was to pay attention to the reading of scripture, to exhortation, encouraging. Exhortation is preaching and to teaching, to doctrine. They all go together. Mm. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them. Watch that your progress may be evident to all. Mm. It should be obvious that the main teacher knows the Bible more than anyone else there. It doesn't make him better than anybody there. It says that. It says that your progress in meditating on these things may be obvious, evident to all. Yeah. I love how you said that's meditate, why, not study. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why people are to look, they're they're to look to them because they trust them. They know they stand for the truth. They want to know what they not because they are the truth, but because, you know, if you hire, quote unquote, a man to serve locally, don't go around him to somebody else. Use him. Bring him in and ask him the hard questions. You don't have to poll all the other preachers everywhere else. You're paying this guy tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to stand up in front of everybody and tell everybody how they ought to live according to God's word. Heaven, hell. <laughs> if you're going to yeah. do that, then call him in in the private meetings. Call him in in the private problems, et cetera, et cetera. It should be obvious that he knows the word of God and that he can handle the word of God you know, clearly and carefully. That's, that's his job. Mm-hmm. That's his job to give himself entirely to these things, and that's just a that's a weight of responsibility. Of course, there's a lot of things, but I don't know what. Yeah. Go ahead, Greg. No, and, and then going back to that, you know, I think in verse 15, as we look at it, where it says, "Meditate upon these things and give thyself wholly, completely to them." Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if we give ourselves completely to reading and exhorting and looking at the doctrine yeah. and studying, then again, that's when this prophet's going to show. You know, that's when we're going to see those things. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, for a long time, I spent time as a part-time preacher by vocational. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I still wasn't giving myself wholly to them. Yep. You know, I still had to do a little extra. But extra your time, time was limited. The time it? was limited. It was. So That's now, you know, is. now it's not as limited. So yeah. I find myself, again, going back to Timothy, and I find myself trying to do these things a little better than I have in the past, yeah, you know. I hear so, you. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, being by, by vocational, and I, I love our bivocational preachers. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Right. I do. I do. I think, yeah. I think they have a place in, in, yeah. in the church. But, you know, and the reason I retired at 30 years, I could have gone on for more. But uh, the reason I retired was, and I told the congregation this when I retired, is that I had been preaching there for 15, 16 years at the time. And that's pretty much all I did was preach. You mm-hmm. know, I didn't have the opportunity to do any of the other things that to minister like I should have. And so I told them I can live comfortably on what my retirement's going to be. And I want to retire now so that I can spend more time with the church, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought I won't do this. And then they're going to come back next month and they're going to fire me. And then what am I going to do? But, you know, that didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that that's the reason I really wanted, uh, you know, to, to, 
be able to spend more time in giving myself wholly mm-hmm. to those things, you know, and, and I'm not, again, trying to ring my own bell or anything. It's mm-hmm. just before then, I didn't have the chance. Just to. speaking right. your experience. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, now I do. Oh yeah. And I've been a bivocational preacher before and I know that from experience and I've known other bivocational preachers. They know that, that their time is limited more mm-hmm. than if they have full time time to do. It. I mean, it's just, that's just one, two, three, ABC. That's not, that doesn't make anybody better or smarter mm-hmm. than anybody. Time, time is necessary in order to get, Give attention to reading, exhortation, doctrine, meditate on these things. That takes time. What do you, what do you, you think know? about these things? First of all, I don't see anything wrong with the bivocational preacher. Oh, no, yeah, no, um, no, 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 no. Don't take that yeah, that way. No, yeah. I do not. No, no, I don't think you do either. I just wanted to clarify that one. That, yeah. yeah, bivocational. I think it can be a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, especially congregation sees like you're willing to work, just like mm-hmm. they're willing to work. Mm-hmm. You're willing to put in the t- extra time to study. Uh, mm-hmm. Be a great thing. Uh, and with that, you know, meditate on these things, giving yourself entirely to them. You can meditate on the things you've studied no matter what you're doing. Um, sure. You know, right. me and Brock spent some time working together a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can ask him how many Bible conversations we have while mm-hmm. we're working. Yeah, we, we uh, ain't been working. Yeah, we, 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 we slow down <laughs> on the working part, don't we? You know, but, uh, but yes, giving yourself entirely to them, uh, you know, that's for any role of any teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. I, they, yeah. of course, right here we're speaking directly to, to Timothy and a preacher. Yeah. Uh, but if you're any teacher, any capacity of God's word, uh, mm-hmm. you need to to meditate very clearly on what you're about to teach. And meditation Um, is such an important concept, you know. Um, Study is one thing. Having knowledge is another thing. But but meditating, you know, giving close attention. Like, look look at the ins and the outs of what you're studying. What are the implications of this? You know, how far-reaching is this? You know, just, you know, what's at stake regarding this? If I say this this is sin... Yeah, well, I mean that means they're damned to hell yeah. unless they get right with God. I need you to be know careful what, what I about. call sin. Have you ever have you ever noticed if it's you, really sin, I gotta withdraw from everyone who won't practice it the way I believe it. You ever heard a preacher? Wow, is this really sin? Right. That's right. That's, that's, I mean, that's serious matter. Yeah, it is. That you, changes the whole face of the church. Yeah, you ever heard a preacher or teacher preach and you wonder if they believe what they're saying? You're like I don't even know if this brother believes what he's saying. Does he even know what he's saying? Uh, you know, you wonder if, because like, okay, he has a lot of knowledge. Like he can quote facts of the Bible, like John 14, 6, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, what's that mean? And you can't, you know, it's like, what? how does that apply? What? What? What's the meaning of that? How can I, how can that passage relate to me? Well, it's like, <laughs> I have a knowledge, right? I have these facts, but I don't have an understanding. And Solomon talked about that in the book of Proverbs, especially the first chapter. He talked about prudence and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. So these are different concepts. Have knowledge? Great. I know a lot of preachers. I know a lot of Christians that have knowledge, but they ain't got no understanding. Mm-hmm. They just ain't got no, no they don't understanding. They have wisdom of how it applies. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Say that understanding goes to application. Yeah. yeah. You know, how, how do we take this that was written these many years ago and apply it to our lives That's right. today? That's right. Yeah. You know, how, how, what does that look like? So I always try to throw a little application and I usually try to throw a lot of application yeah. in there, you know, but, but I really, you know, cause they can understand the words again, as Brock said, but did they really have that comprehension yeah. of how it looks like for us to live like that on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. So. And you're on the same token, you know, it said that uh, your progress may be evident to all. It's clear. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I go and ask a preacher a question and he's, Oh, well, uh, you know, kind of be trying to beat around the bush about it. Right. You know, no, that's not, if you know the answer, don't mm. be bashful. Don't be shy. Mm-hmm. 
speak the truth. Well, if I don't know, I just uh, say I don't know. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're gonna go find out. But I'm you want straight. <laughs> you want what you want is you. Well, no one, no one likes an unstable, whether it's a preacher or not. Just an unstable individual and what he thinks and she, what she thinks, what they believe, not believe. There's just nothing more discouraging than an unstable person especially in spiritual matters right mm -hmm. because here we are we what we profess is this there's a creator we will all stand before this creator and if we don't live according to the creator's plan he's going to send us to an eternal hell where we burn for eternity and we never can escape mm -hmm. that's what that's the implication of what we're professing mm -hmm. but yet when we're asked a question about anything really it's just like i don't know so i don't want you're telling me i gotta answer this creator but you don't know anything i don't know nobody knowing things so it's really not that big of a deal we gotta let people know it's a big deal it's a big deal big deal mm -hmm. i mean that's the if you don't get labor. this you're going to this place yep if you don't understand what i'm saying here and you don't apply it especially you're going to this place so I need to show that I care and I need to show what I'm talking about. And I mm -hmm. want to explain it in such a way that you get it. That you understand. And you don't walk away saying, and you don't, and you go away saying, well, he was passionate. He did the best he could. I can't blame him because on the judgment day, I don't want you standing behind me yeah, or in front of me, really. And and the creator's like, hey, you're going to hell. And then I'm next. You go with him because I didn't teach him the correct way. That's what, you know what I mean? That's what Absolutely. concerns me about our mode is like getting in the way of, of other people learning the Bible or binding what we believe or what we yeah. feel. I mean, that's, that's yeah. so we have to be so careful when we set ourselves up mm -hmm. as teachers, elders, evangelists yeah. to, you know, yeah. Bible class teachers, Such pa parents, so you know, serious. you set yourself up to teach when you don't know something, say, well, this is something I'm thinking about. You know, I, I think it may be this way, but I don't know. And then when it comes to right and wrong and heaven and hell, it has to be, we know yes is yes. And no is no. Mm -hmm. And in my study, it seems to me, and I've become very, very convicted about this. The things that are very clear in scripture are the things that matter the most. They're the things that are matters of fellowship will put you in fellowship with God or be out of fellowship with God, heaven and hell. That's right. The things that we bicker and squabble over, usually always exactly. are things that are in the realm of judgment. Yeah. And it's sad that sometimes congregations get so divided and they get up, up in arms over matters of judgment. I don't mean to turn a show into that, but talking about evangelists, it's the evangelist's job to stand for the truth and to show people this is in an area of judgment. And, and if he gets rejected for that, then that's, I mean, well, this goes with the context the verse three, forbidding things that God authorized. Exactly. Is it a sin to be celibate? It absolutely is not. If it is, my dear brother here is going to hell. And you know what I don't married. need to do? You know what no, I don't need I to mean. do is I don't need to start getting on a discourse. Oh, brother, it'd be better, though. And just, what I'm saying is now I get on a discourse. Basically, at the end of the discourse, you feel horrible about being celibate. And you might have your reasons for being celibate. So that's your choice, right? Jesus, I mean, he mentioned that in Matthew chapter 19. Yeah. No, we don't deal 18. with we don't Sorry. deal with should and should not as teachers. We deal with we deal with what is and is not. We yeah. deal with what we must do and what we must not do. Yeah, I don't when like you should get into the, either. When you get into the areas of should and should not, and I think and I feel and it would be better. Should we do this? Those are where individuals have to make their own decisions. I, hey, I'll be honest with you. Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six, we call them the seven ones. If you give close consideration to the seven ones there. I'm talking about the, the 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 totality of the scriptures teaching 
on the seven ones. Mm-hmm. You'll see that those seven are the the ones, the doctrines or the teachings upon which we can't disagree. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the God. There's one God, right? Mm-hmm. There's one Lord. Well, I can't I can't disagree with that. There's only one Lord. There's only one God, right? One yeah. Father of all, one Spirit. I can't disagree with that. There's one baptism. Mm-hmm. Well, if you believe there's three baptisms to save, you're going to hell. Yeah. I mean, you get what I'm saying? So, I mean, I mean, I can't be sitting here being unstable about something where the scripture says there's one. Yeah, there's one. You know, there's one church. Well, Brock, no, there's one. There's and one. if you're not, if you're not a member of it, when Jesus comes back, you're going to hell. Because again, those as as Aaron said, they're too clear. If we can't teach strongly and boldly about the things that are clear in the scriptures, then what's the point of being bold? Right. Yeah. And when can I be bold? And, and, well, people walk away going, well, you know, I, I think I can do it. I don't know for sure. No, I don't I'm want you to walk away from my I, preaching going, uh, No, mm-hmm. heaven hell. And very quickly, and I'm going yeah, to go right. back that's over. Right. It, we're we're going to start trying to wrap this up. But I mm-hmm. want to mention very quickly 1 Timothy 1. He's already written and told him, 1 Timothy 1, verses 3 through 7. Listen to this real quick. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So that ties into chapter four, you know, we've told him to preach. So it's important that people not teach another doctrine. Don't give heed to fables in those genealogies. Mm-hmm. Uh, verse uh, five, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart. Mm-hmm. Verse six, some have strayed from this. They've mm-hmm. turned aside the idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. I'm going to tell you, first of all, I've been that person before, and I'm not proud of that. Well, me too. I've been the person that I thought I knew and I wasn't prepared. I had not done my homework. So, like, before we say something, whether it's in a small group setting, a big group setting, one-on-one, if we are a teacher, you know, that's why James 3, 1 says not many of you be teachers. Yeah. Before you say, this is what God, this is sin, this is what we must do. Again, don't deal with should and should not. Do with must and must not. What must we do? What must we not do? When you get into the whole of should and should not, I'm gonna go over to Romans chapter 14 and say, look, everybody's got their own conviction. Yeah, be quiet. And you're gonna have to let. You're <laughs> gonna have to decide what you want to do individually, and and be mindful of the weaker brother. But on the other hand of the coin, the tyranny of the weaker brother mm. must not prevail. That's a whole other podcast. But you got that one guy that it bothers his conscience, but you must not let his tyranny rule over all the brethren. That happens in a lot of congregations. There's one brother or 10 out of 100. We don't want to do this in the building. We don't want to do that. And they dominate the whole congregation. Mm. That's where elders rule. Mm. And that's where evangelists teach. Mm. They have to teach and help the congregation form their scruples based on careful principles. And we need, to, we need to err, as we would say, on the side of being safe and careful, not to go into progressive doctrines of error and what we think of as liberalism. And on the other hand, not go into areas where we're binding things that God has not bound and we're making it more difficult. Nobody wants to be a part of something that's more difficult than it needs to be. It's like, why would you want to be a part of that? You know, if I want to be a part of something like that, I just do my own thing. You know, but anyhow, I think that ties right into First Timothy four. Pay attention to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. And one of the best. This is the last thing, really, that I wanted to add. One of the best pieces of advice that I was given by a friend and and mentor, really. Doing these things, you'll save yourself and those that hear you. That's one yeah. of the most challenging things that I've tried to learn as an evangelist. 
There are people who will not hear me. And that is not my job. Those are peripherals. I can't, Jeremiah Nortier, he will not hear me. He's not, he's not on my radar. Do I want him to go to hell? No. Do I wish he'd go to heaven? Sure. But he's not on my radar. He will not hear. He's on YouTube laughing at me, making fun, calling me cult leader and all these other things. He's not on my radar. I can't stress it. And same is true of my brethren, not just denominational people. There are people that I have to use my own discernment. They come in this building and I use my own discernment. I don't have to tell the elders. I don't have to tell my wife. I use it right here in my own brain. I talk to God about it. I don't have to tell nobody. There are people in our congregation that I think they will not hear me. I do. I mean, you can take that for what you think. There, and I don't think there's a ton, but I think there are some in every congregation. They're not, they're not going to hear. They listen, but they don't take it in. They, they either disrespect you because you're youth or whatever. There's so much of that that teachers of God's word have to deal with. Looking down because they're youth. How often do people say, well, he's been preaching a long time, and they immediately pit their user experience against your, as though that's what determines truth. Right. It's like, well, I don't care if you've been studying for a thousand years. I know because I've studied it for a thousand hours, you know, or whatever. And that's wrong. That's wrong. It's illogical. It's inconsistent. It's contradictory. It, it breaks a fallacy rule, whatever the case may be. I mean, we're getting into deeper issues here when I start talking about these things. But these are things that preachers of God's word have to think about. I had a brother. It come, has to be logical. I had a brother. Otherwise, come to you're me. teaching people things that's illogical. I Go had a brother ahead. come to me and, and he, he we were studying well, his understanding of the one church <laughs> and it's, you know, it's exclusiveness, et cetera, was was what the scriptures taught. He was a, he was in agreement with what the scriptures taught regarding it. And I remember we had we sat down and studied. And he said, you know, I've been talking to someone. He'd been preaching much longer than you. And I'm, okay. But he said. So that's a, that's a, he that, said that this, is he a said, logical he said, fallacy. Here's what he said. Credential right that's there, a yeah. logical fallacy. It's, it's, it's an appeal to authority. Well, here's what he said. He said. And experience. He said he has reconsidered the yep. way he has taught that. I'm like, okay, what do you. It, maybe we should be a little bit careful you know, professing the one church the way we do. I said, we're not careful enough. Mm -hmm. I, agree. I said, that's one thing I said. And you know how I know that? Because he said that to you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, a brother comes along and says that, you know, perhaps there are more than one church and all these denominations go to heaven. He ain't been careful enough on the one church yeah. and he taught you wrong. Yeah. You know, let's look at the scripture again and let's see if we should reconsider it. He's, he's like, there's one body. Have you read? I mean, what what is your under? Well, there's one body. I said that's how it's always been, so it always will be. You'll be judged by that, not by the authority of, of someone else. And I said, I don't even know who you're talking about. I don't no disrespect to him. Is it he wrong? I you know, he, even if he said he was Jesus incarnate, he wrong. You know, so it's just like yeah. you know, it's just you got some. Well, you know, yeah, the way you started that out, you know, <laughs> he's been pretty much longer than you have. It's like. That's a, that's a you know a credential you know like yeah. uh, somebody did that to you in your business absolutely Think about that yeah, yeah absolutely now you he's know. been putting in more yeah he's done this longer than you have he knows, what he knows what he's doing better yeah. um you know what? I have a college degree I have a PhD well, clearly <laughs> you know I I know what this says better the, than you do you know, yeah. that no that's not the credential what does this say. Like you said, one body. Did okay. Timothy have a college degree? That's what I was saying. I can yeah. tell you, none of these guys had a PhD. <laughs> well, that, Timothy, <laughs> you know, you That's never right. hear Paul saying, make sure you get that PhD before that, you start. Yeah, and no knock on you. Like, you know, okay, I didn't go to preaching school. Yeah. yeah. Okay, does that mean I can't understand the scriptures? You know, you know what I would <laughs> say the difference in me and you is when it comes to like, when it, when it comes, it's not our knowledge. 
I bet my understanding of scripture is probably the same as yours. I mean, we we when we talk about the scriptures, we understand it. You know, when we talk about preaching school, probably the only difference between you and I is when I and this is just a a, fa- a reality. Mm-hmm. I can get up probably and deliver a message. Oh, 100 percent. You know why? That has nothing to do with my knowledge is better than yours. It's just because I've had that formal training and I've been doing it. Experience. Like, you know yeah. what what happens when we go put on those doors? How many times have you made fun of me for not being able to read a tape measure? I never Look, made fun of you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. We've said this before. Uh-huh. It's experience. Well, yeah, and when you say when you say, Brock, you're not doing that right, I should yep. listen. Mm-hmm. I ain't doing it right. I don't know how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It just it's the same thing with preaching. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? You when you you don't you come to me and we talk about it because mm-hmm. you just know I'm involved and I've been doing it longer. It Absolutely. has nothing to do with superiority. It has nothing to do with inferiority. has nothing to do with me better, you better. It has nothing to do with it. It's just the way that it's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't come to your job on site. I listen to you. I'm, I feel as I'm under you. Even though I'm not technically, un- I feel that way because I don't know what you know. It's just I don't know why we when struggle with, work with so them. By. They're the teacher. You're the student. Exactly. And the thing like with the assembly, when you come to this, it should be. It may not always be that the one who teaches most often publicly effectively knows the most. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, because he spent the most time in it. That's it right there. He should. Be. Why do you think they it, say, well, I'm, I'm talking about on a regular, yeah. consistent basis. Yes. We have other men who do a wonderful job who might not have studied as long as I have or the intensity I have. Mm-hmm. And they do a wonderful job. It's not necessary to be me in order to teach truth. That's not the point. That's here. not the point. We're, it, we're talking about, is people look to that person as, you know, this is our main go-to. This is the guy we pay him full time and we trust him and he teaches the truth and, and that kind of thing. It's just part of the responsibility. And it's your, respons- it. and it's your responsibility it and it's my yeah. responsibility to have an honest opinion of self so that when you come to me, I don't get arrogant. I don't get overly confident. Mm-hmm. I don't start putting myself on a pedestal because everyone else. I, matter of fact, I think it's good sometimes to stand up and say, and I've I've had to do this before, guys. Maybe we're putting too much emphasis on me. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I'm getting a little uncomfortable. That can be challenging. You know, where we yeah. almost have to say it so the congregation, you know, they start getting it. They don't even they don't even know it's not that they were malicious about it. It's just like guys, let's just be careful before we ever go down that route, even if we don't know it, because people might get the wrong impression. Yeah. Let's make sure we have an understanding. That makes we can talk here. about this another time, you know, another segment. That's important. But, yeah, but that makes absolutely. challenging for the public teacher like us mm. to be in Bible classes because it's hard to people not look at you. They the people are looking to you. That's mm. hard to Yeah, we we yeah. have one of our elders that's teaching on Wednesday night and doing a wonderful job of teaching on Wednesday night. But they but they look to you. But I sat down, I said yep. on the second row, I probably need to sit at the back. I probably don't mm. need to sit at the second row. But I yep. sat at the second row because I'm kind of running the sound and everything. Yep. And he'll say something and he'll look at me and say, You got anything to say? And I'm like, yeah, you know what You're I think. Talking about, I think this is something that we can consider as a way of encouragement. I know we're starting to close, but let me say this, and I really think it's important. You know, when you when you hear about congregations, especially in Northeast Arkansas. Something you often hear is um, when you talk about a congregation, a particular congregation, congregation, the person will say, well, who's the what over there? Preacher. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? What about when that poor old widow has been around reasons. longer than that preacher has? It's been needing help and struggling, yeah. or or that elder who's been there a hundred years. Yeah. yeah, it's just it just you see you see we don't. I'm not saying it's bad to say who's a preacher over there. 
I'm just saying, when I hear something, I always think it's significant. That's what's on that person's heart. Yeah. It's just what they've been taught, what they've been told. Main things into. people want to know about. Uh, who's the preacher? How many, how, how many people they got? Yeah. That's the main thing. You got any like, kids? Yeah. Yeah, you got got any kids, kids over there? All the, ins, yeah. all the things, like I've heard me say this, the things that we consider significant are often oh, insignificant sorry, to God. And the things yeah. that we, the things that are, yeah. the things that are insignificant to us, God says, hey, you go out in the world. Yeah. Oh, it don't matter what church you belong to. That's very significant to God. But yeah. see, they think it's insignificant. Right. Mm-hmm. And then here we are as the one church talking about things sometimes that are not. Let me, yeah. I wanted to highlight that you see it on the screen for a while. Connie Barden said, I've had this up for like five minutes. Nine times out of 10, when a congregation splits, it's not over doctrine, yep. but matters of opinion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so yeah, true. She's right. I just wanted to feature that there. But uh, uh, let's go over to our guest. Craig, I'll go you, and then we'll let you go last since it was your chapter you picked. Craig, got some final thoughts on anything that we've left out or you just kind of like to sum up to say or just anything? Yeah, you know, just on that last uh, talk we are talking about, about the uh, preacher and you know who is the preacher. Uh from an outside, not a preacher yeah. point of view, yeah, um, it can be easy to let the preacher become the face of the congregation. Yeah, um, when obviously they they perform a very important role in right. the congregation, but there's so many other roles that are being performed. Um, yeah, by godly be, men, the good faith. Yes, and he uh, needs to be a face, a not face, the face. I like right. that. He's um, a face of the congregation, not like a, one of not the a definite articles, like one of the you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that's hard for a preacher to overcome. Because yeah, the world naturally puts you there. Because it's they both people. That's why I say it's both people's fault. Absolutely. And brethren, you got to step in. Many yep. brethren unintentionally put the preacher there, and when the preacher teaches against that, they think, "Oh, he's trying to he's trying to church, I'm glad church's said responsibility." Hey, what's he what's he want to do? You know, they mean nothing, well. You know, I mean, like, members mean no, well when they do that. Yeah. I mean, before I took the Nettleton work, I they I remember my and Vanessa our picture was put in a newspaper. Come here, our new preacher. Yeah. Now, when I look back at that, I'm like, man, that didn't help anything. Yeah. That wasn't advantageous for anybody, you know. Yeah. But it was. But it wasn't malicious. Right. I mean, the people they were I mean, excited. It was, yeah. It was. Yeah, I, right. I get the excitement. Some... But now I remember. I remember that first service. That been packed. Why do you yeah. think it was packed? Yeah. Curious. Because people come out Curious. of the woodwork. But then it's just yeah. like, where are they at now? You know, you, you start. It's the same what, things happening both congregations. Yeah, work. When I first yeah. was there, the first year, there's more people than ever, and then after yeah. it trickles down. We used to have 130 regularly in attendance first year or so I was here. Yeah, that's like 110, 120. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. there's growing, there's culling, there's you know, it's there's all happening. kinds of stuff that go on. People, were, there but, were a few that came out of the woodworks to see it. And on the member side, you know, if I tell somebody, "Hey, Aaron Dotson's our evangelist, our preacher," well, I'm saying that because I'm proud of Aaron and the work he's doing. Yeah, he's sure. doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, what you don't understand is, well, they're saying, well, this is Aaron's. It's Aaron's church. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. No, it's the Lord's church. Yeah. yeah. That kind of information, like Aaron's, he's our evangelist, can come up at the perfectly proper time instead of that being like the highlight all the time. Absolutely. That can come up with, yeah, I'm a member at Washington Avenue. You know, we believe we're the one church. You know, I'd like to talk to you about, well, who preaches over there anyway? Well, we have several teachers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and one of the, you know, our evangelists is, you know, it's not wrong to, one to of the teach biggest- that and tell that information, but just my advice is try to just like try to use it strategically. Passive you know? aggression is one of the things I hate the most out of anything, you know, and you, you, you just don't let people get away with things. You might hear somebody say, right now, you've been over there, but I, I hear that's your church. Hey, why do you say that, man? <laughs> well, no, not well. You made a statement. <laughs> now tell me why. It's like that passive aggression, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. You know, we, we, yeah, you're probably, were, were you done? I'm done. I'm you're done. done. Right ahead, I'll right. never be done. Well, uh, 
first of all, I appreciate being here today. Yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. Yeah. Uh, I've been so encouraged by studying amen. this chapter. Y'all really opened my eyes again to some things that I knew, just maybe hadn't looked at it in a while. But, uh, you know, I just really think about when I came into Strawberry, I came in at a very, um, it, it was really a bad time for the church. They'd gone through a bad split with with their preacher that was preaching. Uh, and, you know, I really, really hadn't expected to stay there. I was going to come fill in for them for a little bit. It's been so long ago, a lot of people don't remember, do they? I know. No, Hallelujah. They do not. They do not. And I'm Amen. about that. But when I, when I came in, you know, there was there were so many hurt, raw feelings, mm -hmm. you know, and I really had to, you know, and, and for a while I really did kind of, uh, and I'm confessing because confession is good. I really kind of toned down the sermons because, you know, they, they had been hit with so much. But now I've been there a long time and I don't tone down anything anymore, Brock. I, I'm not very bold about what I say. And sometimes, and sometimes folks get upset. Most of the time they do not. But just, just coming into that fractured church, you know, I think I learned more in those first couple of years working with those people. And we were down at that now at that time, we, they were down to about 50 people that were coming on Sunday. We're up to about 100, 110 every Sunday now. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Small community. We're awesome. Like that, and we've man. got five miles away, we got another church and they have 60 or 70 uh, every week. You know, I kind of wish we I probably shouldn't say this online, but I kind of wish we could get together, you know, and kind of yeah. join, join congregations. It. But anyway, that, that's another thing. But uh, just, just seeing the, what was going on in that church, I was really, yeah. you know, excited to be a part of of helping, you know, heal that church. I know God healed it, but helping to be a part of that healing of the yeah. church yeah. and to see us grow now. And it's because I really believe it's because I spent so much time in looking at what God had professed for evangelists to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't try to do too much. I didn't try to I definitely didn't try yeah. to do not enough. Yeah. You know, but I just kind of looked at what, you know, what Paul told Timothy here and, and, and also Titus, as you mentioned, you know, what what was told there, you know, and and now, you know, it's just it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to get up and spread God's word. Sure. I, I appreciate the opportunity yep. to do that, you know, and and I hope Strawberry keeps me around for a while. My mm -hmm. my my one thing I want to say, if it's OK, it's not OK. Go ahead. OK. So I'm like, I think this is huge. What I'm about to say, not because I've come up with it. Or something, it's just is it huge or huge? Go ahead. Huge. Don't make fun of me, man. I hope if Somebody I say, say something to Sean, you know what I'm going to say now. Yeah. He may, Go ahead. Um, Time to get off. Go ahead. It's, it's very important <laughs> to not allow the few folks, negative mm -hmm. folks, pessimistic folks, naysayer folks, the ones that won't hear you. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very important that we don't allow them to impact us to the point where we don't give attention to the ones that want to be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, even at Harrisburg, you know, I know some who just, they do not hear what I'm saying. It's not, they don't yeah. hear the words come out of my mouth. It's just, they have just some animosity towards me mm -hmm. that, and, and, but I can't allow that one, two, three or four who don't want to do right. And they're, they're content what they're doing and on and on yeah. to, to impact, the ones that want to be, because they're here and they're giving their attention. They're ready to grow and go forward, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that a young evangelist, if he's not careful, mm -hmm. trust me, I've been there. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm saying that. If not careful, the younger preacher, because so bitter and so pessimistic and always focusing on that, where these over here, because you don't give them attention, they get to that point. Yep. Mm -hmm. And now the whole congregation's negative. Now everybody's pessimistic. There are people that want to do right. 
there are more folks that are good than we give credit for, right? There are those that want to be there, that want to serve. There's the widows indeed. There's the young people that want to be there. There's the parents that are trying. You know, there's not everyone's like that one individual who don't want to hear. Give them attention. Don't, you can't make everybody happy. If you're going to be a gospel preacher, that's obviously a, yeah. a, a, a on your resume in your mind. Can't make everybody happy. Don't mm-hmm. say I want to or anything because you can't. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand that. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Save yourself and those that hear you. That's right, man. We have right. a uh, greetings from uh, someone, an Alan from Tanzania, East Africa. I don't know if you're still watching, Alan, but thank you so much for watching. And uh, if you like, there's still nine precious souls that are watching. If you enjoyed this, do us a big favor by sharing this video online so you can help us in the algorithms. Uh, Facebook don't play nice. They don't care about the one church, but you do. So won't you help us out by sharing the video? Thanks for watching and look for this to be uploaded later. On to uh, on the uh, Aaron J. Dodson podcast, the audio podcast channel that's uh, sponsored by the Washington Avenue Church of Christ. If you're ever in uh, Harrisburg, Arkansas, you should go check out the Harrisburg Church of Christ. If you're in Jonesboro, you should check out the Washington Avenue Church of Christ. If you're in Strawberry, Arkansas, you should check out the Strawberry Church of Christ. And there are other good congregations, but we're biased. We like these <laughs> congregations because we get to labor with them and be a part of them. Amen. So thank you so much. Thanks to our guests for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank I've you enjoyed for it so yes, much. Sir. Thanks for your time, brothers, and thanks for everybody watching. God bless, and we will catch you next time.